The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Now, we certainly have one of those today, one of the most active junior explorers out there. I'm talking about Miramar Resources. Hasn't been on the ASX all that long, listed in October 2020. Trades under the code M2R. Last sale was about 10 cents for a market cap of around seven to eight million dollars. Now, the executive chairman is Alan Kelly, well known to uh, the mining uh, circles in uh, Perth there. He was uh, AMIC Prospector of the Year in 2014 and probably best known for founding MD of Doray, which uh, went on to be a successful gold producer between 2009-2016 before Alan moved on to do some other things and come back to the market through Miramar. Now, Miramar's, um, as I said, very active for a company with its market cap. It's got projects in the eastern gold fields, in the Gascoigne, Ashburton area up there, and also in the Murchison. Created some excitement recently with uh, Visible Gold in holes it's drilling at uh, the Glandor project in the eastern gold fields there, about 40 kilometres east of Kalgoorlie. But also it's got the Gitche Joint Venture, which is only 15 kilometres north of Kalgoorlie, and it's Virgin Area, pretty much, if you can believe that, 15 k's from Kalgoorlie, but some very interesting results and uh, starting to look like some real potential for perhaps a new uh, mining camp there. So enough of me. We'll get across to Alan. Alan, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks, Barry. Right, now, I mentioned, uh, let's start with the Eastern Goldfields, and given the excitement around Glandor, let's start with that. So... I think you've drilled two holes, you've got a third underway, and you're just waiting on some assay results. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So Glandor is about 40 k's east of Kalgoorlie, um, out sort of um, just north of where Black Cat are building their project at Majestic. And uh, mm. most of the project sits under a salt lake called Lake Yindalguda. And um, it's had a pretty limited exploration history. There was a bit of drilling done in the early days by Western Mining. Uh, and I guess the main thing was some diamond drilling that Harmony did back in 2005. And they got some high-grade hits, including a, uh, an intersection of six metres at 30 grams uh, on the contact between a small granite and a, and a mafic sill complex. Mm-hmm. And then there was really nothing done after that time. Um, Anglo Gold Shanty drilled a couple of holes there and didn't really follow up the mineralisation. So... Uh, we got the project of Anglo Gold Ashanti as part of the IPO and thought there was potential to um, get some more of these high-grade hits on this eastern contact at what we call the Glandor East target. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been pretty frustrating. It's taken us two years to actually get out there because because of the boom in exploration in WA, it's been very hard to get drill rigs and, in, and almost impossible to get a diamond rig that could actually drill in a lake. Right. So we actually mobilised a rig from Mount Isa in Queensland <laughs> over to Kalgoorlie and started drilling there. Um, first hole, they had a few problems with, but they still got some visible gold at quite shallow depths, about 50 metres or so. And then we stepped out 40 metres to the south and drilled a, a second hole. That got down to about 170 metres and that hit visible gold at about 150 metres below surface. And then uh, we're waiting on the assays from that hole. 
and we've now gone 40 metres north of the original section so um, to do the third hole and that hole's uh, getting down to a depth of about 150 metres at the moment so we're sort of you know waiting with bated breath to see what we might see um, in that hole um, and if that hole hits you know gold or visible gold as well that'll give us a strike length of about sort of 130 140 metres um, between hole three and hole two so that you know that's pretty interesting strike length uh it'll depend on what the grades are mm. but it really then that sort of confirms the model uh for what we're looking at there mm. and uh, potentially what sort of could it have some size to it yeah so, so the, i guess the, the the closest analogy is the majestic deposit which mm. is is down to the south of us that was discovered by integra back in 2010, 2011. And it's one of these little late granitoids that sits within a, uh, the Mafic unit. And, you know, over time after they discovered that and then sort of drilled it out and it was actually mined for a while by Silver Lake, that, that had a resource of about half a million ounces. Um, yeah. So that's the sort of, you know, target that, you know, the target scale potential you've got at, at Glandor East. We think that there's a a number of these northeast trending structures within this granite, which is a nice brittle host rock within the Mafic unit. Um, but there's only really been sort of half a dozen holes drilled there, and a number of them were drilled in the wrong direction. They were drilled towards the west, where we think the, the, the veins are dipping towards the west. So, um, you know, we're pretty much starting almost with a clean slate, um, mm. albeit with a couple of high-grade historic hits that they were sort of stepping out from. Uh, rather than, you know, moving in like you normally do. Yeah. So to, uh, well, be a company maker, sometimes you don't need 2 million ounces at, uh, you know, 2 grams, uh, 500,000 ounces at a decent grade, something north of 5, it uh, can get you going. Oh, yeah, yeah. And also, um, you know, this thing's on the lake. Um, it's beneath only about 40 metres of lake sediment, so it's pretty shallow. The, 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 the mineralisation that we're seeing, some of it starts directly beneath the lake sediments. You know, I think it was 50 metres down hole in, in hole one. Um, so, you know, and there's a lot of supergene uh, mineralisation seen in the air core as well. I think the air core footprint at Glandor stretches over about five kilometres. And at Glandor East, there's a, a nice little section where there's a lot of high-grade air core mineralisation. So things like two metres at 11 as well. So... If you start looking at economics down the track, um, if you can get some nice shallow supergene, flat-lying supergene mineralisation, that can really help you um, to make money from something as well. Mm, okay. So let's uh, move back closer to uh, Kalgoorlie there, the Gidji joint venture, which was uh, sort of the, the flagship project uh, on listing. So you've been doing a lot of work there across a, a you know, cluster of prospect areas, Blackfriars, Highway, Maribyrnong, Barara North, the Jog. What's the story there now? Um, yeah, so so Gigi, you know, has a strike plank of about 15 kilometres from end to end. And, and when we listed, only the central sort of third of that was granted. So that's where most, most of the focus has been to date. And mm -hmm. that resulted in the, you know, air core discoveries at Marlebone, Blackfriars and Highway and Railway. Um, and each of them, you know, big, big footprints, sort of one to two kilometre long uh, air core footprint with high grade hits up to 13 grams per tonne. Um, but where we've done a little bit of deeper RC drilling, we, we just haven't been able to find the, the, the legs to that 
sort of air core uh, anomalism. Mm -hmm. So we took a bit of a break uh, from that main part of Gigi um, while we did the drilling at Glandor. But what we have done is that the northern end, the, the area that we call Barara North, which is sort of like the, the northern third of the project, is a four kilometre long segment of the Barara shear zone that had had very limited drilling there. So right. what we did is we got an air core rig out and we basically drilled uh, 200 by 50 metre air core pattern along the Barara North shear zone. And that comes up to within, you know, not quite spitting distance, but almost spitting distance of Paddington and Panglo and that just to the north of us. So we think that that area is pretty prospective. Um, we finished that program in August and we're now waiting on the assay results to come in from that work. So that's really the focus at the moment at Gigi is to, to sort of see what that northern four kilometres looks like. We're hoping that we'll get sort of similar results to what we've seen at Marlebone and Blackfriars. But the main difference at that northern area is that we don't have the paleo channel um, over the top of it. So in, the, in that main sort of central part of Gigi, we've got the Gigi paleo channel that runs across right. the greenstone belt, mm -hmm. and that makes life pretty challenging. There's sort of 50 to 60 metres of plastic clays and running sands and gravels and things, so that makes drilling pretty challenging. Whereas Barara North, if you've got a more sort of typical uh, regolith profile with sort of only 30 or 40 metres of weathered material then into basement, so it's a bit mm. easier to explore. Why is exploration your Gigi joint venture ground? Why is it as uh, early stage as it is? Because we're talking about 15 k's from Cal. Is it Cal? Yeah, or? It's, it's amazing. It's like, you know, 15 kilometres from Kalgoorlie on the highway um, in between the super pit and Paddington. It's, it's mm. quite amazing to think that we're the first people to do systematic exploration there. Part of it is to do with the cover with the paleo channel um, yeah. running across it. But I think also part of it is that um, at various times, the ground was held by uh, Pan Continental who had uh, Paddington um, and they they became gold fields, so the old gold fields, not, not sort of current gold fields. And it was sort of on the edge of their tenement package. So, you know, most of their focus was going on Paddington and getting into production and then made a, they made a couple of other discoveries like Panglo and things. So the Gigi area was sort of on the outskirts of their tenement package. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it ended up with Barrack and, and that as part of the KCGM ground, which obviously includes the super pit. So again, it was sort of on the outskirts, it was on the fringes of their, you know, large Kalgoorlie-based land position. So yeah. I, I sort of put it down to the fact that, um, you know, they were focused on the super pit and, and um, other things sort of closer to home and, it was almost in a bit of a no man's land between uh, the super pit and Paddington. Yeah. And mm. so it was just a bit too far for sort of anyone to go out there and spend a bit of time on it when you could drill a few holes at Paddington or drill a few holes at the super pit and add ounces really quickly. So, mm. um, you know, I think, I think that's what, that's what we put it down to that. It was just sort of in that no man's land between really successful operations. So was, you always had to, there's a business, tough business case to actually justify going out there and drilling holes in something new. Obviously, that highway target is that the uh, the high uh, the highway is it? The... Yeah, it just runs right across it. Um, you know, uh, as as people know, I, I like having projects next to the highway. Um, I've actually had to move the highway before. Um, at, at highway, we've got the highway, and we've got a, a pipeline that runs from 
uh, the super up to the Gigi Roaster. So, um, yeah, we've got a bit of infrastructure there that we'll probably have to deal with at some point as well. And just uh, closing off the Eastern Goldfields uh, portfolio, Randall's uh, down near Silver Lake's uh, gold operations there, about 70 k's from Cal. What's the story there? Yeah, so uh, Randall's, yeah, it sits a long strike um, to the east of uh, Maxwell's and Cockeyed Bob, which are the mines that Silver Lake operating. And all of those mines in that area that they call Mount Belchers, they're uh, folded banded iron formations. So they're quite obvious in the magnetics. You see these quite contorted and folded banded iron formations. And generally, these deposits form at the hinges of the, the uh, banded iron formation. So the Randalls project has got the continuation of that banded iron formation. It's only been very poorly tested. So uh, just recently, we've been out there with an air core rig and run a couple of uh, reconnaissance lines across the most folded part of the banded iron and um, just down to the basement to see what we see. We saw some quartz veining and some sulphides. So we're just waiting on the um, and the results of that air core drilling. And um, it's in a great location. The, the Silver Lake Hall Road from their Coroni mine runs right across the middle of our project to mm. Maxwell's and then onto, mm. onto the processing plant. So if we find something there, then there's an obvious way to, to be able to uh, monetize it, you know, either ourselves or someone else. So uh, we think, you know, it's a pretty, pretty uh, easy test and we'll just see what happens from that drilling. So there we go. That's the uh, Eastern Goldfields. And uh, I'll just make the point again that uh, if that wasn't enough for a $7 million market cap ex- active explorer, Miramar also up in the Gascoigne, the hotter than hot Gascoigne at the moment, the, across the uh, Ashburton, where not only is it IOCG targets, nickel copper PG targets, uh, more recently thrown in a bit of uh, rare earth excitement there and uh, lithium as well. So take us in into that part of the world and Perhaps the, I think the flagship looks like it's this um, whale shark project. Yeah. So the Capricorn origin, uh, as it's known, is a belt of rocks that sits between the, the older Archean cratons of the Yilgarn and the Pilbara. Right. And it's one of these belts where the two older rocks have sort of been moved in and out and you've got this sort of folded um, belt of rocks that stretches from you know, over near uh, where Capricorn Minerals are developing, Carlowinda, up to the coast. And at Whale Shark, it actually goes under the Carnarvon Basin. So you've got, you know, progressively deeper as you get towards the northwest. So where we're drilling at Whale Shark, that it sort of goes from sort of 50 metres of cover to about 500 metres of cover really quickly. And then it heads offshore where all the, you know, the oil and gas guys are. Mm-hmm. Um, but the history around Whale Shark was that, um, when I first started working for Western Mining back in the 90s, we were looking for ISCG mineralisation and, and the idea was that the uh, Capricorn origin where it went under the Carnarvon Basin looked quite similar to Mount Isa uh, mm-hmm. where you got, you know, Ernest Henry and Star and Eloise and all these ISCGs there. And one of the targets that really stood out was a thing called, that we started calling Whale Shark. It was a big folded banded iron formation undercover and it was intruded by granite we drilled a couple of holes there in 94 95 and hit some gold mineralization in the biff but then the iocg sort of mineralization didn't really take off and then um, i went off to north america and western mine and did a few different things so it just sort of sat there for a long time um, so then when i was putting together projects for miramar back in 2019 i saw that it was vacant ground so we, i jumped on it 
and grabbed it. And then, you know, that wasn't long after Greatland had had the success at Javier on, um, the yep. discovery up there, which was originally was an ICG target, but it's proven not to be that. But one of the things that they did up there, Callum Baxter did, was uh, MMI sampling. And that was pretty successful at picking out the mineralisation through sort of 400 metres of cover. So I thought, well, we'll go, we'll go to Whale Shark and see if I can do MMI sampling there and over the whole project and see if we can pick out any potential ICG targets. So last year we did two rounds of sampling. The first lot was at a kilometre by 500 metres uh, and that gave us about three or four nice-looking anomalies with copper and moly and tungsten and rare earths, which was all sort of looking pretty good for rare earths, uh, for ICG. So then we infilled a couple of areas at uh, 250 by 250 metre sampling and, and the, the anomalies got a bit better. So when I started looking at the, I guess, the analogy with Ernest Henry, I found out that there was a pretty good um, anomaly in, at the unconformity between the overlying basin sediments and the basement. So we decided that we'd get an air core rig up there and basically drill on a pattern grid of those two anomalies and just get down to basement, see if we could pick up, um, you know, a dispersion halo at that unconformity. So we've just done that program in August over the main um, MMI anomaly. Uh, saw a variety of rocks. We saw granites and mafix and schists and a bit of banded iron formation as well. And um, we're waiting on those assays from that program as well. So actually we should start seeing results from whale shark hopefully in the next week or two. Um, and if we get a nice dispersion halo at that sort of unconformity and there's sort of copper and moly and things there, then that'll give us a good good target to follow up with some deeper drilling. And the main thing we found out is that the basement depths have, can vary from like 20 metres to about 150 metres. So it's all pretty um, yeah, sure. pretty explorable compared to you mm. know going out to the Stewart Shelf in South Australia or or up in the Pat Patterson Basin where you, you're talking four, five, six, seven hundred metres of cover. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's uh, inland for Monslow. There's another, you've got a nickel copper PG target, uh, which is the one where you've had some rare earth interest uh, recently. Mount Vernon, is it? We've got a very large holding in what we call the Bangamore Basin, which is the main part of the Capricorn origin there between the Archean Crattons of the Yilgarn and Pilbara. And what the focus there was on a whole series of dolerite dikes and sills which are the same age as what you see in the West Musgraves where the Nebo and Babel discoveries were. Um, and so we haven't actually done that much work up there yet. Some of the tenements are still applications to be granted. But one area we did a bit of work is a thing called Mount Vernon, which is sort of on the eastern end of the Capricorn origin. It's closer to Abra, uh, the zinc deposit. There's a number of sills there and we did an EM survey, I think it was early this year, and we've got a number of late time EM anomalies, which look like they could be related to sulphides. So we want to get out there and have a look at those. But every time we look at historical data for the project, we find more and more targets of interest. And in fact, I think a couple of weeks ago, we put out that we've actually found a report that talks about a lamproite that's got micro diamonds in it on our Blue Bar project. So um, I'm pretty keen to get up and probably hopefully before the end of the year and go and see if we can find this lamproite and see whether, you know, it is, does actually um, exist and it does it actually contain microdiamonds. So that would be another, you know, mm. pretty interesting feather to the Bangamore cap, if you like. Yeah, for sure. Okay, now uh, uh, Murchison, that's the one on our 
we still get to talk about. Uh, not far from uh, the Deflector and Rothsay uh, uh, gold deposits, plus also where it's in the lithium potential there as well. What, what's happening there with you guys? Yeah, Langwell. Um, it was originally picked up on the basis of some uh, high-grade gold rock chips, but also there's some ore anomalism there. Uh, and when that work was done back in 2010, I don't think anyone was really thinking about rare earths, but they did do samarium um, as one of the assay suite. And so there's a pretty long linear samarium anomalies um, in this auger drilling. Um, okay. And in 2010, they did a couple of traverses of air core holes, and one of them went across uh, one of the samarium anomalies, and they got some quite high rare earth numbers. I think it was four metres at about 1,500 ppm total rare earths in a shallow air core hole. And to me, that looks like some of that sort of clay-hosted rare earth mineralisation that other people have been exploring. So we're just looking at the moment to see whether we should go back there and put some more air core holes across this big, uh, large gold and samarium anomalies. Um, And we also looked at just sort of the regional radiometric data. And it looks like there's a lot of pegmatites there. Um, the, the ones that we've sampled today tend to be uh, not lithium bearing. They tend to be more likely to be rare earth bearing. Um, mm. And that's, I think that's a function of the regional geology. The, the metamorphic grade at Langwell is very high. It's a lot of gneiss. And, and what you tend to get in these nisic trains is more rare earth sort of lithium, uh, rare earth uh, bearing pegmatites rather than lithium pegmatites. So, yeah, so we're going to have a look at that. Um, we've just done some, uh, some sampling out there. Unfortunately, it was sort of all in the Western area away from the, the rare earth anomalism. So we're looking to get up there um, probably at the same time we go up to the Mangamore and have a look and see if we can uh, work up that uh, shallow rare earth mineralisation as well. Right. Now I've got a tough one for you. It's like asking you who's your favourite child of, all, <laughs> of the five or six we've just run through. Which one gets you excited at this well, stage? Um, I've, I've, I've been saying to people since listing that I reckon Glandor is as good, if not better, than Gigi. And mm. people found that I think a bit hard to believe given the location of Gigi close to Kalgoorlie. But I, I do honestly believe that Glandor is probably the most exciting and it got the most opportunity for something quick and valuable for the company. I have, I've said a couple of times, I think it's a bit similar to Andy Well, I guess, in terms of the fact that a big company had it, had a high economic threshold and effectively walked away from it. And that's where the opportunity for a company like Miramar comes into it. Yeah. Um, having said that, Whale Shark is something I've been involved in for, you know, 25 odd years. And that is more like the sort of high risk but high reward play, you know, mm. and the target at, at Whale Shark is an Ernest Henry or a Carapatina or a, a Javieron. So, yeah. you know, that's like an order of magnitude in terms of scale and, and value than something like Glandor. So I think probably Glandor, I think is the, I, I want to say quick win, but it's probably not quick in sort of in terms of, uh, normal people's timing it's quick in terms of expiration timing sure. um but whale shark i think is the is the one that could be a real big a big prize yeah yeah no, nice mix of the uh, near term and uh, the the big one at whale shark potentially okay then so let's just uh, bring it all together we've obviously you've got a lot of results coming through so you able to just give us a quick timetable on those what 
investors should be looking out for? The gland or diamond drilling will be ongoing. Um, so those, because we only pretty much do do uh, fire assays and things, they can get turned around pretty quick. So we mm-hmm. should see, um, you know, ongoing results from gland or over the next couple of months. Um, we're waiting on that second hole at the moment. That shouldn't be far away. Uh, we're waiting on the Barara North Air Corps, um, and that that will be coming through over the next few weeks. We should have all of that, I think, by almost by the end end of October and then Randall's after that and whale shark as I think I said earlier that we're expecting some results from that in the next couple of weeks so um, yeah it's it's been a very busy time we wanted to get a fair bit of drilling done in August September um, Mm. just so we get sort of results by the end of the year Um, that as you'd probably know talking to other explorers that the assay turnaround times over the last couple of years have been horrendous Mm. they've been out to sort of six months or so but they're getting better um, they're getting back towards sort of normal uh, turnarounds, but they're still like a lot worse than they probably were five or six years ago. But bearing that in mind, yeah, we wanted to get work done so that we could sort of see all these results coming in through October, November, December, and then work out how we progress the different projects. Yeah, it's been a good strategy to have you know the multiple uh, work faces going on, as it were, because uh, a lot of uh, junior explorers get caught up. They do a drilling program, then they have to sit on their hands for six months. Yeah, definitely. And, and um, you know, the thing is a lot of these projects don't actually take a lot of time. Um, they don't take a lot of manpower to put out results from them. So, But things mm-hmm. like, I guess, the stuff up north, you want to do that in a certain part of the year. You want to knock yeah. that off in the sort of middle of the year before it gets too hot. So that was a key. But then you can do a lot of desktop work on some of the things like the Bangamore projects as well. So, uh, yeah. yeah, we try and juggle things uh, and also, you know, try and focus on things that are going to give us good value for money quickly, but also work up things in the background as well. So we've got targets to test when we want to. Well, there we go, folks. The uh, Miramar resources, everything Garen Perrow likes to see in a junior explorer. Active on many fronts, big uh, flow of uh, assay results coming out of the labs in coming months, and a nice mix of uh, you know high-grade, can-do size projects for a small company, plus the uh, the big upside uh, that you see from things like uh, whale shark. So, Alan, thanks for your time today. Thanks for the rundown on it. Exciting story and we'll be watching with interest. Great. Thanks very much, Barry. And, yeah, everyone keep an eye out for a lot of results coming in over the next uh, couple of months.